Well, let's get into Psalm 23 for the second time. You may remember last week we began with verses 1 to 3. Now today we're going to focus just on verse 4. There's a whole sermon just in that one verse. And let me begin by telling you um, an experience I had a couple of years ago, just before we left the UK. I decided to do something really crazy and attempt the Three Peaks Challenge. Now that involves the three highest mountains of the UK, starting in Ben Nevis in Scotland, some 1,300 metres, and then there's a five-hour drive down to Scarfell Pike in the Lake Districts, about 1,000 metres, the mountain there, and then the final leg, another four or five hours away, is in Wales, Snowdon, the final mountain. And the idea is to do all three mountains with a journey in between, with someone driving you within 24 hours. It's, it's quite a feat, but I went with my mate Richard, uh, he was more experienced than myself, and you'll see from the picture, uh, much better built than myself. So it was a great companion to go with. Well, look, we started about 5pm in Scotland on a beautiful afternoon, and everything was going great. We made it to the top in about half the time, uh, and we were so jubilant. We got back down, got into our car, Nick, thanks Nick drove us all the way down to Scarfell Pike through the night hours. I think we got there about half one in the morning. And so we now had a night climb, four hours to do Scarfell Pike. Well, we made it to the top of that in record time again, for us at least. It was an arduous climb in the dark, just, just constant climbing with nothing to see, no reward but sweat and agony. But we got to the top and in our jubilation... In our celebration, we got completely disorientated in the dark. Not a good thing, because instead of coming down the mountain the same route, we headed down the mountain a different route, unbeknown to us. It took us two or three hours, double the time it should have taken us to get down, to realise something was wrong. Well, we realised beforehand, but we just assumed we'd find our way back. But the further we went down, the more trouble we were getting into. We could hear the river, a stream down below, which we knew were meant to, but this was the wrong one. And it was now getting light. We were well and truly lost. We were, in fact, on the complete opposite side of the mountain. So much for our 24-hour challenge. And there's only one way back. You see, it wasn't as simple as walking around the base because there was no route back to where our car was waiting. There was only one way back. That's right. We had to re-climb the mountain. And now we were faced with a, a, a virtual up, uphill, virtual straight climb. It was tough. The only creatures would attempt something like that were the crazy sheep on the mountain. But we had no choice. So we started our way back up this mountain and boy, it was precarious. We were exhausted. There's a picture of me here. This, was, this is a selfie I decided to take and the peak of my exhaustion. Richard was in front of me at this stage and I was like, oh, I don't think I can do this. It's just too hard. And we lost so much time. There's no way we can do this. I was ready to give up almost, but Richard spurred me on. His companionship, his company and you know, the morale boost he gave me just helped me to press on. And I got to the top of that and we could then see where we should have been. We eventually made it back. Then we had the difficulty of finding our mate who'd gone looking for us. 
But nevertheless, we did it, and we moved to our next mountain. And in the end, we were only well less than an hour outside of our 24 hours, having lost five hours on that detour. But the point is that having Richard with me as a companion, someone who's competent, someone whose morale remained, uh, even though there's every reason for it to fail, really helped me through, helped us together. We made it through. Psalm 23, verse 4, picks up on a similar theme. You see, in the hardest parts of life, when we're faced with sheer climbs, when we're exhausted, when we've got nothing left in the tank, when we're ready to give up, it's then that a companion comes alongside us or makes his presence more felt and helps us through, gives us the boost we need. And that's what verse 4 is all about. And I want to look at that with you today in the time we have together. So join with me. Our heading is a companion for the journey. A companion for the journey. And we're looking at just verse 4 of the psalm. Our subheading is Jesus the shepherd accompanies his sheep on their journey. So a companion for the journey, and that companion is Jesus. Jesus the shepherd accompanies his sheep on their journey. Verse 4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Much of the Middle East is rugged and barren wilderness, much like it is today. It's at these ravines, these valleys with high sides, in fact so high in places that there's virtually no light along some paths. And it was at those times in particular that sheep, or nervous creatures we said last time, felt particularly vulnerable, vulnerable to the dark. Who knows what lay in the dark? And it was then that the shepherd, aware, sensitive to the needs uh, of his sheep, would draw closer to them, would, would gather them in, would use his, his rod to defend them, if there was a, if there was a need for that, from, from predators or his staff, to, to, to bring them closer so they were safe and, and near to him. Being a sheep, you see, in that part of the world was a precarious existence. Here's what one commentator says. Want, hardship, injury and death were never far from the sheep and goats and their young. And so it took a skilled shepherd, a devoted shepherd, a shepherd with courage to take care of sheep in those environments. And that's something David knew about. Remember, he was a shepherd. And when he went to face Saul, to ask to, to, to take on Goliath, he, 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 he lays his credentials to Saul and says, Look, I've killed bears. I've killed a bear. And so he demonstrates this loyalty, this courage that shepherds in that part of the world demonstrated towards their sheep. So it's against that background, the background that David was all too familiar with, that the psalm is written. 
Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. In his predicament, as David considered his life, considers his life, in his predicament, what got him through, what enabled him to make it, was his acute awareness of the presence of God, of this skillful shepherd. It was that awareness that enabled David to press on in his life, in his journey. Verse 4 begins, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I remember a few years ago when we were in South Wales visiting a church that we know quite well in Bridgend. And they told a story, true, in their own church of a, when there was a, a competition of, of some type where the youngsters, young kids had to contribute something for the church, church newsletter. And this young fella contributed this little essay he wrote on why Amazing Grace was his favourite hymn. And for him, his favourite verse was verse 2. Here it is, you may know it already. Through many dangers, toils and snares, I have already come. Tis grace that brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. It's an odd favourite verse for an eight-year-old child. I'm sure you'd agree, I remember smiling when I heard that. You wonder, how could an eight-year-old have the life experience or maturity to identify with dangers and tolls and the snares. Who knows? Maybe things were tough for him at home. But for David, it's different. You see, David, contrary to what some theologians have assumed, he wasn't writing this song when he was a boy or a young teenager as a shepherd. This is most likely written much later in his life, when when he's an adult and in service of some nature. You see, he writes, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, this is experience that's real. It does speak of maturity, of having some life experience. And so the most likely scenario is when David's on the run for his life. You may remember David went to Saul to take on Goliath. Or sometime around that period, David was in his service, in the service of Saul. It eventually led to his kingship. But beginning then, when David used to play for him, that Saul began to envy David. And there's a, there's a point when he tries to pin him to the wall with, the, with his javelin. And from then on, there's at least half a dozen occasions when Saul attempts to take David's life. And David literally faces the, valley of, the shadow of the valley of death. And that context, those numerous contexts, or, or the ones when he was on the run from his own son, Absalom. They, either between them, or one of them provides the context for this psalm. In fact, many of the psalms were written in those contexts. So the valley of the shadow of death may well be a real experience when David was running, fleeing from Saul or Absalom. 
Now, it's worth noting that a lot of modern translations are beginning to, beginning to retranslate verse 4. So instead of the valley of the shadow of death, it's believed that a closer connection to the original language, Hebrew, is the darkest valley. The darkest valley. You can see what that does to the context, doesn't it? Or the application, rather. It broadens it. It's not just death, facing death, because we don't all face that. But it's darknesses, or dark valleys, dark providences, dark experiences. And almost every one of us can identify with that to some degree. And it's in those dark, precarious scenarios that David, when he was at times perhaps looking down the barrel of a gun, as he were, that David finds the presence, the companionship of God, his shepherd, as the reason for hope and the energy to press on and the morale to move on. He says, even though I was there in that scenario, I will fear no evil. You see, he wasn't moved, deterred, panic-driven, or he didn't give up. He knew God's calling on his life, and this wasn't mere positive thinking. You know the, the ostrich type, when you just stick your head in the sand and hope for the best, pretend it's not real? Hey, Christian, your predicament, if you're in one, is real. Accept that. Acknowledge that. Bring it before God. There's no point pretending it's not so. Positive thinking alone can't do any more for you than it did for the ostrich when he stuck his head in the sand. Now David isn't just thinking positively. There's substance to his positivity. Listen, I will fear no evil. Because the reason for you are with me. He shepherd, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Can you see the substance in David's confidence where he's singing back to God? He's not fearing because the one with him is the greatest of all. He's the greatest shepherd. He's armed to the teeth with every weaponry necessary. He's absolutely competent and able to deliver David, even from the king, King Saul, or even from an angry son, Absalom, or whatever else it may have been. David's confidence is in the presence of his able God, of a God with a skill set to meet Every javelin, whether real or metaphorical, Jesus the shepherd accompanies his sheep on their journey. So Christian, our hope on life's journey, even amidst great danger, is God's presence with us. Or more definitively, it's Jesus with us. Christian, let me give you this from Scripture. Your hope is Jesus that is with you, 
through the toughest times, through the hardest times, through the most precarious moments, even when you're looking down the barrel of a gun. His presence with you is your hope. Listen to this. Isaiah 40, verse 11. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. Did you hear that? You've seen those pictures and one will come up now of how shepherds in ancient times at least used to carry the weaker sheep, the lambs, on their shoulders or in their arms. And that's a picture in Isaiah 40 of how God, Jesus, carries you close to his chest, in his arms, in the safest place, at your most difficult moments. Look, you'll be familiar with the poem for princes. It's about a guy who has a dream, and in his dream he's walking along a beach, and the scenes of his life flash before him. And as he, as he considers these scenes, and as he gets towards the end, he looks back and he realises that whenever those scenes were the, the toughest, most difficult scenarios in his life, that in the beach there were only one set of footprints. And it troubled him naturally, and then he cried out to God, said, Lord, you said, you promised me in your word that you'd always be with me. When I committed my heart to you, I was assured and I believed that you would walk with me in the toughest times of my life. And why is there only one set of footprints? And God responds, and you'll know it, I'm sure. My precious child, I love you. I will never leave you. Never, ever, during your trials or testing. When you saw only one set of footprints, it was then that I carried you. It was then that I carried you. You see, Isaiah 40 verse 11, that he carries them close to his heart, is reflected in that poem. There's some truth to it. Jesus does at our toughest time, not only accompany us. Hey, you know when I was trying to get up Scarfield Pike uh, when we were lost? It was great having Richard. He could at least, you know, egg me on. But what I really wanted, what I really needed, was someone to pick me up in their arms. And look, I'm not that big, okay? So it's pretty easy to do. I don't weigh a lot, okay? What I really wanted... <laughs> was for someone to carry me. And Jesus' words to you is that he not only accompanies you, he carries you. He can bear your weight. Look, even if you're heavier than me and it's not very hard, okay, he can carry you. He's got it in hand. He will do whatever is necessary to see you through. The reality is, I know, you know, that the Christian walks at times is a precarious one. We can face challenges and troubles and even be exposed to danger, real physical danger. 
In fact, Jesus said, it shouldn't surprise us. John 16, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. It's true. I don't need to tell you that. You know that. I know that. In this world we will have trouble. But our deepest comfort, our strongest assurance comes from knowing, being assured that Jesus is with us regardless. And regardless of how we find ourselves, whether it's our own doing or whether it's the providences of God, the important point is this, Jesus is with you. Listen to this Matthew 28 when he sends his disciples into the world. He promises them and all those who would follow after him, surely I am with you always. Always. And the exact same truth is reiterated in Hebrews as he quotes the Old Testament. Hebrews 13, Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Christian, do you hear that? You're assured of Jesus' presence. So whatever life throws at you, however challenging, however difficult, however troublesome, however painful, however dark, however desperate, however urgent, even if it's life or death, Jesus' word to you is, I am with you. I am with you. Never will I forsake you. Never will I leave you. Can you see? That makes all the difference. His presence. You see, his presence isn't an end in itself. Jesus' presence is always the first chapter. It's embryonic. Can you see? It's, it's a catalyst. His presence with you means you have the most skillful, skillful and armed shepherd, the most competent being in the universe, at your side. And remember this. His competency, he promised. Remember, remember Matthew 28, when we quoted earlier about him being with you? Well, earlier in that, he says that all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. That is, Jesus holds all of the power of the universe at his disposal. He is armed to the teeth. Okay? And he is simultaneously competent in wielding that power. And so, Christian, there is real and genuine hope in your predicament. As long as Jesus is your shepherd, and if you believe in him, if you love him, then he is your shepherd. That is an irrevocable relationship because he began in eternity and your salvation was a consequence of what he in eternity had determined. So your relationship with him is an assurance of his presence. No matter how hard it gets, or even how far you stray. And his power, his power, no one can challenge. And he is a work 
in your life. That's what the psalm is telling us. It's what Jesus is reiterating in the New Testament. That whatever voices we may have within, in our dark moments, in our difficulties, in our trials, whatever your inner voice may be telling you, voices of telling you to despair and to flee, to run, to give up on God, to curse God and die, whatever may be going on, let the word of Jesus be the louder voice in your life because he says to you, I am with you. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. I'm in this with you. I'm going to see this through to the end. I'm your companion. I have everything at my disposal to ensure that you make it to the end that I have planned. You see, Romans 8.28, and we know that in all things God works with the good of of those who love him, assures us that whatever the situation, whatever the dark providence, whatever these ravines and valleys, these shadows that we may be in, God is able to do something with it. The great thing about God is he's a bit like, well, slightly, a, a friend of ours, he's died now, his name was Walter. And he, he, was, he was in the army and then ran a, a, grocer, uh, a grocery shop. But he was wasted because he was an, an amazing, skilled engineer. And everywhere around his house were great things that he'd invented, but just things that he found or had, had, had to hand. And he could take anything and make something useful of it. Anything. It was amazing. God can take any circumstance that you find yourself in, Christian, and use it to advance his purposes for your life. Any situation, whether self-created or what we find ourselves in, he's able to do something with it. He's able to make all things work for your good. For your journey for your peace for your well-being for the experience you're having on that journey and for its conclusion and the reality is this Christian every dark providence in your life every dark valley every shadow every complexity every anguish, every tear, every dark diagnosis, every situation that causes you to despair is a piece, a jigsaw, or a brushstroke in the painting, the masterpiece that Jesus is doing in you. You see, all these scenarios in your life are not accidental. There's, there's rationale in Jesus' providence for you, he is using every situation, however good or however bad, whatever shape, however difficult, whatever anxiety may be causing you, however much we want to wriggle out of it, Jesus is using it to perform or to complete his masterpiece. That problem, that situation, that pain, that suffering you've got right now is a brush brushstroke that's necessary to completing the painting that Jesus is doing with your life. Today is a part of your future and your future, whatever it is, will be the significant, significant future that it is because of now. 
because of what he's doing now or has done or will yet do. It contributes to the finale, to the end. So whatever it is that you're fearing, whatever it is that you're going through, take heart. Jesus is with you. He is skillful. He is courageous. He is devoted to you. He will never leave you. He's walking with you. And in fact, those dark providences are a part of the overall plan for your life. And so however impossible your situation may seem right now, it may seem completely irrational to assume they could ever change or improve or get better. Remember another psalm, Psalm 77. You are the God who performs miracles. Such is his power that he can make impossible circumstances different, good, and work to a great and beautiful painting at the end. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you're with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Jesus The shepherd accompanies his sheep on the journey. He's with you. He's walking with you. He's got it in hand. His purposes remain. One day, perhaps in this life, one day you will see and experience and perhaps even rejoice in your present condition when you look back at the pain and the darkness and the suffering it took to get you there. Hold on. There is hope. Jesus is with you.